Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it. Okay, well, thank you very much. I've taken a little bit of a hiatus on the uh, on the podcasting because, uh, you know, just thinking about things and how I wanted it to progress. Um, I appreciate tremendously all of the ongoing support. And uh, we're switching the format a little bit. There will still be some interviews, um, but I'm also transitioning to providing some of my own content. So what you should hear for the next couple of podcast episodes would be more personal stuff, uh, a little bit more teaching, and hopefully different ways I can deliver value to you. As always, I really value your input and if possible, I would appreciate if you would reach out on any of the social channels uh, or just email me, rabbirupp at gmail.com or jrupp at h.edu uh, and provide some suggestions for me of how I could better serve. And one of the things that I'm hoping you will see at this point is that we are extremely focused on living a better life. And one of the most important components of that is getting the direction and the one-on-one -on -one work that you need in order to live better. So I am a strong proponent of coaching. I do a lot of coaching myself, and I would encourage you, if you're listening to this, to please do what many other people have done. Reach out. Let's have a conversation. There's no obligation to you whatsoever uh, to see if we might be a good fit to work together. And if that might not be the case, I would be thrilled to introduce you to any of the multitude of options and networks and people that I know who could provide that help. So again, please reach out via social channels, whatever it might be. I don't think I'm too hard to find. Certainly not, I hope. And, uh, and, and let me know how I could be of benefit to you. Thank you so much. Thank you all for joining today. Those of you who are, I don't even know where we are in the world, maybe sitting down to dinner with your families, maybe not. Maybe you've already had dinner. It was, uh, you know, <laughs> it was at like uh, four in the afternoon. One of the fun things about the, uh, the current situation is that we're always like trying to hasten the day, you know, so it's like, well, you know, it's two o'clock. It's probably time for dinner. Uh, bedtime at six and uh, all good. The uh, practical parenting piece that is difficult on that regard is that usually if you get your kids to bed early, they'll wind up waking up early. So kind of figure out where you want to do it. Anyway, so today the whole concept that we're going to discuss is individuality and individualism and why that's significant and why it's important and what we can do about it. So the first step is that there's a tendency today more than ever, and depending on where you are in the Jewish world, that we should fit into a box. And that is not just a Jewish thing. It's a societal thing. And one of the difficulties is that at the same time we're being told that we should fit in a box, there's a message that we're supposed to be individuals. So like, how does that work? And what's the, uh, what's the, what's the correlation? A couple of different points as to how we got here. So step number one is, that the world that we look at today is really new compared to how people have lived for thousands of years. Uh, we all go to school, a centralized school, and school really wasn't such an institution the last 100 years, 200 years for sure not. Now we all go to college in most cases. Um, and so there is a level of training uh, uh, that a person has in their life, which is really kind of uniform for everybody. Now, fascinatingly enough, this is not such a great solution 
Because if you look famously, the, the, the narrative in the Bible where Jacob and Esau are born, in the beginning, they're cute little boys, right? Cute babies. And the next thing you know, they're 13 years old. They go completely crazy. And, uh, you know, and what, no, they, don't, they don't go completely crazy. Esau's nuts and, and this wicked guy. And Jacob is this calm, you know, rabbi type of figure. So one of the things they point out is that, is that we really don't talk about how they were raised. So as someone that likes to ask questions, he'd say, well, how did you wind up with such divergent paths? So one of the ideas that the sages talk about is that they were raised the same way. And for Jacob, it really worked. But for Esau, it was terrible. So there's a certain concept that really very young, we all have different styles. We have different abilities. We have different ways of learning. And putting people, putting kids in a classroom, learning more or less the same stuff all the time is extremely difficult for most people because as a result, what ends up happening is that a lot of people don't fit in. And now the fascinating thing is, as we get older and college has become and is becoming more and more, and it was actually fascinating. I'm, I'm going a little bit nuts. It's, it's great. Um, I was listening to a podcast this morning where a, the NYU professor, uh, his name is Scott G. I don't remember his last name, something Jewish, I'm sure. was talking about how the industry that is most um, open for disruption is the education industry. He says there's a crazy margin. And as a result, he says there's going to be, if you really want to figure out, he says there's two major industries that are going to have major revolutions. One, he says, don't bother going into the healthcare space because he says Amazon and Apple are already going in and they're going to do it the way that they do it because like, honestly, who's bigger than them? But he said the education sphere is wide open for disruption. So it's really fascinating because there's this thing called college that everybody goes to and that also provides a, a tremendous uniformity of thought. And there's all of the evidence now that's going on. It's even now, so, so that's on an educational level. On a uh, social level, fascinatingly enough, we're seeing now that the modern generation really became adept at social media when they were in middle school. So the whole world has been, un uh, has been fundamentally changed in a lot of ways by how we relate to technology and how we are shaped into being the kinds of people that we are. So here you have the educational system. Secondly, you have the rise and the use of social media. And as a result of that, we're able to tailor, so to speak, content to what we think we want you to be. Who's we? We are private companies. We are publicly traded companies. So we are in multiple different levels, essentially being hijacked to fit into a certain box on top of it. Again, you think about this. One of my favorite authors, whose name is Seth Godin, speaks about this idea that education developed in order to empower people to go work in the factories because the factories were developing and they were really good at making stuff and people had lived for thousands of years without lots of stuff. And so we had to recreate a whole culture that could create stuff and a culture that needed lots of stuff. And that was right as the technology was getting online with radio and television that now we can mass distribute stuff. So it's fascinating because we live in a world where all of these things are there, but at the same time, the individual itself has a tendency to get lost. Now, fascinatingly enough also, in the world of religion, so to speak, in the, one of the also major premises is we're there to learn, we're there to be there, we're there to follow. And as much as we like to say, 
You know, Judaism is all about individuality. If you look, so much of how Jews practice and how Jews behave follows also clear guidelines. And it's not just guidelines that are outlawed, you know, outlined in the Bible. That'd be, that'd be a great start, right? Most people, most people don't even know what the Bible looks like or what it says, right? But most people, depending on the ge- geography of where they are, depending on the education that they've had, depending on what they understand Judaism to be, right? And then you get into all the cultural nuances. We all behave in certain ways, which is completely within a norm of our society. Now, Again, is that new? Well, that part's not new because we've been living in, again, one of the things that people as creatures have been fun, and this is, this is on a very deep level Jewishly and, and also a deep level on a, uh, on a, on a, on an, um, I'm about, to, I don't even, anthropological level, right? Is that we've always existed. We are fundamentally social beings. One of the deep concepts of why, if you look at a child, versus an animal who has a baby, the animal baby is always going to be self-developed much early. They're going to be self-sufficient earlier, right? The reason why children come out and they're literally going to die if they don't have a hug, which is true, forget about food and all that other kind of stuff, but but babies die without social connection, without social content, right? And more, worse, and it goes on, you know, whatever might, well, there's not much worse than death, but the idea of starving someone, this idea of social isolation, we as people don't aren't able to do that. So the idea that we need to be a part of a culture is deeply rooted inside of us. So a lot of times we're thinking to ourselves, why is there such a cultural thing? Well, it's actually a very important thing because that's the essence of all of society. And we all need that. And a person that says, I don't need anybody, right? So that's a person you kind of have to worry about a little bit. So that's that's point number one. It's very interesting. People need to fit in boxes and people fit better, think better, act better when they're fitting in a box. But there's a couple of problems with that. Problem number one is that for a lot of our, again, just getting up, look, go back 1500 years, go, you know, say started, let's say 1700 and earlier, right? For much of the time that man was alive, um, we were always in these, these cultures and these communities that were very kind of not so well, well, well known to the outside world. You didn't have the cross, even people that were in like commerce and stuff like that. Like how much of the world did you see in your lifetime? Right. Even the people, the sailors, you know, people that would like travel from from ocean to ocean, like, you know, they they were seeing very small parts of it. So we lived largely small world in a small world where the expectations were much clearly defined. Now we live in a world where suddenly you realize that there are cultures and there are things that are outside of your purview and all of the ideas that you might have. Other people have different ideas and they're just as hopefully, if you're not bigoted and terrible, right? You realize that other people have a value to their thoughts also. So let's set this up as the basic again, and I think that this is a fascinating concept, the basic paradigm of what we're looking at. On one hand, we need to fit in boxes. Uh, that goes for individuals. That goes for communities and societies. And as we are developing, especially in 2020, you have multiple boxes that you are fitting in. And a lot of these boxes are acting on you and and have been acting on you for your whole life. The school box, right? The, the, the cultural box, the, the use of how social media is so tailored to your mind. Again, we spoke about this earlier that our minds are hijacked, 
Like these brilliant algorithms that are so much smarter than us are make are making us want to do stuff at such a rate. It's crazy, right? There's all these like I, I read. Uh, there's all these like technology now that can like trade stocks in like so many nanoseconds, whatever it might be. That the average investor that goes out there by the time you've thought about it already that stock stock has transacted a billion times. Like so, for me, for example, it's really fascinating. Something got me thinking about coffee today, and I was thinking about the kind of I want to get a special. Uh, I do a pour over. I love the pour over coffee. If you, that that we have a class about wine, we're going to talk about uh, coffee also, hopefully in, in in the future. But I'm getting a nice new pour over for 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 Pesach, right? And it's just fascinating. Like, what did I see? What triggered me? Did, which algorithms led me to right away impulsively buy the you know uh, the certain one the, the certain coffee maker that did on Amazon. Like this whole thing's like worked out. It's not like I just generated the idea. So we live in a world where essentially our minds are hijacked by the systems that we grew up in and the influences on our life. So with that being said, is individuality even a value? And again, also on top of we added the religious component, right? Is is that even, how does, how does that work? When a person goes to a synagogue and we all sort of say the same things and talk about the same things and have the same beliefs, right? So... Again, it makes us feel comfortable, but then where does individuality fit in? And oftentimes people will think, well, you know, I'm an individual. It's like, yeah, you are? Well, what's so unique about your life? Let me guess. You grow up, you go to school, you get a job, you get married maybe, or you don't. There's kind of one or two options. You have kids or you don't. At some point you do something, you, like, and, 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 and then we die. So like our, our life path is very, very similar also in a lot of ways. So the whole concept of I'm an individual leads a person down a very dark road of, well, what actually does make me an individual? And then again, you think, well, maybe maybe I'll go do something crazy. Like, uh, again, and I'll share a little bit about my personal story, but you know, maybe I'll do something crazy, like I'll join, I'll, I'll, I'll go to a different religion, or maybe I'll, or, or I'll go to my own religion, but I'll investigate it more deeply because I'm trying to find myself. But oftentimes what you do when you find yourself is you find yourself in a room with people that think the same way about you. So you say, okay, my background's different, but then you think about it, you're like, maybe my background isn't so different. My psychological makeup is different, but maybe not. And and again, we can <laughs> we can figure all this stuff out, right? As again, anyone that, that does any kind of of work in sales or any kind of work in in influence, right? You can oftentimes walk in a room and all of a sudden and already identify. Again, this is like literally what what one of one of the uh, the amazing businesses I have the opportunity to work with does is develop perfect customer profiles. And so you think to yourself, I'm a unique person. I figured this all out. And it's like, you know, really the decision you were going to make, we kind of knew you were going to make the decision. Now, so that's just, that's the reality. I haven't even started with Jewish stuff at this point. Then we go back to another question is, well, what does that whole thing with free will actually mean then? Like, how am I going to do it again? So we've we've worked out that we can kind of figure out what you're going to do based on where you come from, who you are, etc. right? Just in the commercial world, right? Now we go, obviously God knows sort of what you're going to do. So you think to yourself, well, then what's the point, right? And then on the flip side, an even bigger even, even bigger question is, what do we do with the famous idea that, that I find so compelling and fantastic in my life, which is this Jewish concept that God created humanity alone, so that they could learn how to be alone by themselves. So they could learn how to be an individual, right? God didn't just boom, like with all the animals, if you look, God, although the whole just ecosystem just appeared, right? But with human beings, it didn't work out like that. Again, you want to ask all kinds of different questions, Adam and Eve together, whatever you want, great. But the, the fundamental question was, there's a, a, a singularity. 
And, and like, what are the implications of that? And clearly what, as far as I appreciate the implications of that would be that a person has to learn how to live as an individual. But like, how do I even do that? So I'll pull it out and make it practical a little bit because, um, well, why not? So I grew up in Northern California, uh, in a largely, uh, assimilated Jewish home. Uh, my, my mother is a proud, was, is, uh, she is definitely, uh, thank God, but is a proud, I don't know if she would consider herself a reformed Jew anymore. She goes to reformed synagogue and my father was, had converted in, it's not anymore, um, Jewish. And, and, you know, so that was sort of the, the background I grew up in bacon and all that stuff that I just, that was, that was what we did. And, um, that was it. And I grew up and my mom forced me to go to Hebrew school and I hated it. And she wanted me to go to, you know, services and I didn't want to go. And I told her I was done being Jewish and I was done with all of it. It was so irrelevant and none of that actually worked. And, uh, at, at a certain time I started having all kinds of, again, this is important for the story. At a certain time I had all kinds of, uh, the, the, my family started to erode in a lot of ways. And uh, I had a, a bad relationship with my father and, uh, he sort of left the picture right around the time when I was about to go to college. And in his absence, I had been usually very loyal just in my own mind. I had felt like I had to protect my mom, right? Again, none of this stuff is, is new or unique or original. If you study these kinds of things, this is kind of what normally happens, right? And, um, and as a result, when my dad left, I kind of jumped into things that I hadn't been interested in before, like kind of uber-masculine things, weightlifting and fighting and cars and all these kinds of things. Um, and I went to college. And college, again, I, I just threw myself off into the, uh, you know, the, 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 great, the great expanse called I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I'm a, you know, upper middle class or middle middle class or lower middle class, however you wanted to define what I was, white man from Northern California. So it wasn't like if I go to college, it's like when I was going to college and which good college am I going to go to? And I wasn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't aim for the Ivy Leagues, right? But I, but I did aim for the UCs. Yeah, I don't know, we're talking things that no one has any idea about. But practically speaking, so that part was like... I, I went there and, and then we didn't know anything about, about Judaism, but I, I, I got involved Jewishly through my social connection, which would make sense based on where I came from. Right. So I got involved with the Hillel and I had the opportunity of meeting my wife who, uh, we didn't know she was my wife back then, but she was a Hungarian. So she had no Jewish background whatsoever. And so she was very interested about this whole thing. And, and interestingly enough, right, she saw Orthodox Judaism and, and she, said, oh my gosh, there's so much here. This is amazing. You know, like there's so much depth and meaning and all this kind of stuff. And I felt like it was all completely crazy. And what appealed to me as I started looking into it when she was in Spain, I thought it's like safe. You know, A, I wanted to keep my girlfriend, which is important. Uh, something you should, you should, uh, you should consider. Um, there's a big movement based on that. It's called, uh, it's called the, uh, uh, it's, um, momentum, right? The whole idea about, you know, the Jewish woman is the center of the house. So even before we had a house, she was the center of my life, right? But, um, but what appealed to me ultimately in the beginning was that I appreciated the, um, the intellectual rigor of it. It seemed to make sense. And again, if you go back to my life in the past, you know, there was a lot that didn't make sense and not a lot of structure. And I found this, the lack of the, 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 the structure and the fact that there were answers, I found that unbelievably compelling. And there was also an element of the fact that it, the lifestyle naturally appealed to me. I came from a broken home, right? I didn't really see people that were, I didn't see older people who were in love still. And I was amazed by the Jewish families I saw were, were 
fantastic, frankly. Uh, I came to Israel. And when I came to Israel, I had this amazing like break in my consciousness, which is that I saw people who actually lived their religion. And in America, people lived and had a religion. But in Israel, I saw for the first time people live their live their religion and their lives were secondary to their beliefs in a lot of ways again you think about it you know how do you how does a person live in israel it's not the safest place to live and people uh, clearly it, it's that they live for purposes that are bigger than their life and it, it, it's not not safe but you know that definitely plays into it the the whole concept the american concept of pursuit of life liberty and happiness and that a person ultimately should be you know their life is the most important thing so it, it, it different you go to the mid, mid, middle east and there's just a different and i was like shocked i was like wow there's like this whole paradigm could break down and then i joined uh, i became involved i went to a yeshiva an orthodox yeshiva and it's amazing because if you come from california right which is Great. <laughs> I like it a lot there. And then you are suddenly in, in the most uh, ultra-Orthodox parts of Jerusalem. So your whole like world has kind of come upside down. And now, you know, wandering around in my, you know, natural habitat of shorts and Birkenstocks and t-shirts, right? When everyone else is wearing white shirt, black pants, you know, payas, tzitzis, you, you know, the kippah, all that stuff, right? The whole thing was like, was, was crazy for me. But then what do I do? I say, well, you know, I'm such an individual. I've left the college fraternal life. I've left being a being a frat guy from San Diego, right? And now I'm going to really be me. It's time for me to put on a white shirt and a black hat and black pants and wear a black jacket. Because, obviously, because that's what that's that's uniquely me, right? And and again, I'm not saying. And again, the best part was, you know, the people that were in my life that were that were advising me at that point said, you know, you don't have to do it. And I said, you don't know me. I know me. I'm going to do it. And the best thing was also is <laughs> the best. I took my wife. Um, we the Orthodox Jews have a tendency when our the process by which we we tend to date is that you figure out you want to get married and then you you know we don't touch each other before marriage and you go to someone who knows you well and someone who knows members of the, you know, opposite gender well, and you guys have, you know, you know what you want and she knows what she's want and someone suggests you guys get together and you sit down, you have a nice, you know, meeting of the minds and all good. That's how, that's how, you know, everyone's parents got, you know, great grandparents got, got married. Um, for us, I was like, well, we can go through, we, I, we went through that process, theoretically speaking, but I was like, you know, I, I already know who I want. And even if uh, someone said they don't, you know, they, this might not make sense for you, I said, I'm an individual. I know better than the system, right? So, so again, I, I, I tried to retain my individuality. Come back. Now, amazing is, you know, I think when you think about this, right, a, a lot of times there are certain people who, when they make a significant transition in their life, I'm thinking like an alcoholic. Right, an alcoholic decides they want to be sober. They're not going to bars anymore, right? And and that's that's a smart idea. Um, you know, famously, there's a situation in the in the Chumash about a guy named Lot, and Lot was Abraham's nephew, and Lot wanted to go to a play again. This is this is the best. I love it. I learned this when I was sitting in yeshiva, right? And Lot wanted to go to a place called Sodom. Sodom was a bad place, and Lot thought to himself, make it a better place. And turns out, no, the place made Lot. Right. And Lot became as bad as Sodom was. And for me, right, I heard that. I'm like, mm, that's an interesting lesson. I think I'm going to go back to college. I'll go back and be a college rabbi. Right. And and I identify deeply with it again. Does that make sense? The answer is like, well, if you look at me, that it kind of did. Right. But as I moved back into into the collegiate world, right? So two, three years, I'm doing great, I'm flying high, and I've got my white and my black on. But suddenly, right, I'm not in Jerusalem anymore. And LA's hot. And um 
I never was that dude that wore the white and the black. But because I started to define what Orthodox Judaism looked like, so I felt terrible. And even worse, and this is the part that, you know, we're really just, you got to watch my wife and I do a date night for Asian Minnesota. And we really just like, let it, let it, we just like tell, tell it like it is. So I'll give you a little bit of it, uh, that too, is that here we are, you know, we had been in Israel for a total of three years. And now we had gone from, and again, it's not like I was like, you know, deeply, deeply knowledgeable when I got there, right? I, I literally, I, I couldn't read Hebrew. I have, I have crazy ADD and, and I, I maybe a little bit dyslexia and I, it's not easy, man. And anyways, I, so I wound up, right, going from there to back to there in a lot of ways in a very short period of time. And the reason why people are like, wow, this rabbi is so relatable is ultimately because I was the people I was working with. Right, not 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 because I was necessarily relatable, although maybe that's what relatable means. So I found myself in 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 a mass challenge, which was here I was, you know, the sage on the stage giving over all this advice. I was an ambassador for Judaism, but suddenly I really didn't like like dressing certain ways. But I had to find dressing, you know, not white and black is like you can't do that. That's like you lose all your credibility. Right. And then I started to have all kinds of other challenges where, you know, I, I love the gym. And frankly, that wasn't what we did in yeshiva. And so I started to feel really bad about going to the gym, even though I really liked it. You can start to see where this is going, right? Now, the fun thing is to freak out on a public stage. That's the best because like everyone likes to freak out in private, but like, how do you keep it all together if you are, again, it's not like an existential crisis and all that stuff, but, and, and, and this is another fascinating thing just to think about, you know, one of the things that I absolutely loved, the slight, slight uh, detour, but not much, is that as a um, Reformed Jew, we believed in the idea of pluralism. And, and ultimately, what does pluralism mean? It means that everyone is welcome. Everyone can do whatever you want. Now, what I found in my personal experience was that led and that worked until I became more orthodox. And then all of a sudden, I was closed-minded and judgmental and weird and, and, and all of these things. And I was really surprised because I got, this is, you guys are me, like how you're, you're exiling me because of my beliefs. Doesn't that one of the, it's an interesting idea. So on the same, on the same tune, I found myself, um, we find ourselves in the world today as groups, thank God, that are marginalized and not represented, are being able to have a, a, a voice for the first time in the political debates and in social media and all these kinds of things. And it's a really beautiful idea that, that marginalized groups are able to say, hey, we're here and, you know, we exist. So it's fascinating because that same pluralistic approach in a lot of ways no longer extends back. You know, again, I, this is my opinion and everyone's welcome to do whatever they like. But one of the experiences that I find is that men who are maybe white, who are maybe fathers and businessmen and people that have you know, again, white male privilege, which is a terrible thing to be nowadays, these people oftentimes don't feel like they can talk about their problems because like, what problems can you have? And the same thing was kind of going on with me. It's like, I was a, I was a rabbi, right? And I was a, I was a father at this point and a husband, right? And I was supposed to have all my stuff together. And the fascinating thing that the thing that really like 
troubled me was so many of the people, you know, like I would go to my rabbis and they'd be like, well, you're a, you're a rabbi, you know? And like, how is that supposed to work? And, you know, so I couldn't really go there and I was really, really stuck with the kids and it brought this whole struggle for individuality into the, into the, into the center. And I wasn't capable. I wasn't careful. I wasn't able to, in a lot of ways, share what I really thought or be who I really wanted to be. Mostly because I didn't know who I wanted to be or what I wanted to look like. I knew that I was in transition, right? Now again, that has different words. That means different meanings, uh, depending on where you're from. We're gonna use the Midwestern use of transition, which was I was kind of figuring my way out, as opposed to the East or West Coast definition of transition, which maybe that'll be for another show. But I was in a period of trying to find myself. And I was so busy worrying about what if I left and what if I got exiled? And what if I X, Y, and Z? And the amazing thing was that the very thing that I had thought was my greatest individuality had become for me something where I, I didn't feel like I was able to be myself. And I couldn't know what it was. And I was so busy thinking about what I shouldn't do that I couldn't figure out what I wanted to be. And the difficulty also with that is that if you're always focusing on what you think you shouldn't be doing, right, oftentimes that starts to breed a lot of shame on you and a lot of negativity on you. And you start to live this life where you are, and essentially I get the best way is to be like exiled from yourself and you don't trust yourself anymore and you can't believe in yourself anymore. And you have all of these negative judgments and thoughts about yourself just around you. And it's a crazy thing. And I, I was apologizing for myself everywhere I went. And that's a, that, that's a terrible place to be in. So, and again, it's not like we were like, we were like very public, you know what I'm saying? So like, how do you deal with that? And it's a fascinating idea. Um, so one of the things that I, I, I know I got help. I know I got help. Uh, but one of the things that, I, again, I'm saying I got help because somehow I figured this out. Um, but one of the things that I really started to sit with was, what if, what if for one second, I would stop and think, maybe God loves me. And maybe God made me. And maybe God wants me to be me. And I have to figure out what me really is. And maybe it's not the color of my shirt per se. And maybe it's not the fact that I like working out. Or maybe it's actually, maybe all of these things I made super, very important. And if you look in this, in the scope of what God really wants from us, maybe it's not that important if it's not that important to you. And again, that's the, that's the beauty as I start, as you, as a person starts to learn more about Judaism, very often we make this mistake that we turn our minds off and we sit and, and just expect someone to give us something. And we think that that's something that, that we're doing, maybe a God a favor, maybe we're doing the rabbi a favor, maybe we're doing anything a favor, you know, and, and at the end of the day, ultimately, right, we, again, and this goes back to one of the fundamental teachings of one of the most important books, in, it was very hard to say most important books in Judaism, but a very fundamental book of Judaism, which is, which is a book called The Path of the Just, speaks about this idea that a person has to learn to be unique in their own world right? In their own world. And, and that's something that I was always trying to be unique in my old world, or I was always trying to look like what everyone in this new world wanted me to look like, but I didn't know how to be, like figure out what I had to do in my own world. And as soon as I came into a place where I could say, you know what, what if I just stopped caring about who I'm supposed to be? And what if I started caring about what am I, what, what, where I am now, what I can do now, and what I should do now, everything suddenly starts to change. Because what we find is, and again, this is one of these fundamental concepts within Judaism, is that God made you, 
and God loves you, and the world needs you, and you have your ideal voice, and you have your ideal client, and you have your ideal spouse and kids, if that's what you want, and your ideal job, and the more that you think that if I'm trying to be someone I'm not or something I'm not, I'm going to live this life that I don't really want. I'm going to have this career that I don't really want. I'm going to have this relationship with God that is not me, right? Ultimately, what that does is it exiles you from yourself. And when you're exiled from yourself, you live in this world of tremendous dichotomy and disconnection. And the real tragedy is that the world misses out on you and that you miss out on you. And you're living in a world where you aren't showing up as the true version of yourself. There's supposed to be a nice arc to the end of the story, personally. I'm not going to do it. You know why I'm not going to do it? Because I don't want my story to be a little box that you can put in your life and think, oh, I'm done with this process. Because guess what? Your life, my life, dynamic. I have no idea. And that's beautiful. Because the more that we try to figure out, again, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. There's a, an idea about the hero's journey. I'm a coach. I do coaching. And one of the biggest problems that I see coaches have, rabbis might have sometimes, is that we like to give off an air of completion. Like, I've got it figured out. Boy, that makes your ego feel great. But the problem with that is that as long as you try to give that out, A, you know, yes, people will follow you for sure. Because people want to follow something that is, you know, someone that's got it all figured out. You know, you know, I used to be broke and now I'm rich. Fantastic. Good story. Close the book. I used to be not sure who I am. Now I am. Good. Close the book, right? I'll sell, 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 sell it and people will follow you, right? The problem with that is that we don't actually get there, right? It says there's a book called Pirkei Avot, The Ethics of the Fathers. It says you're not supposed to believe in yourself until the day you die, right? Which means you have no idea where your life's going to go. So rather, and again, this is, this is why I get so excited about the coronavirus, not the coronavirus, not, not the, the terrible situation that people are going through health-wise, not the terrible economic impact of coronavirus, but the concept of coronavirus, the fact that the entire world would turn upside down and shut off with no idea when it's going to go back. You know, it's like, I might, maybe I'll go to California in the summer, or maybe I'll still be in mid, I, like, I have no idea. Like, how, when was the last time we lived with that beautiful sense of present where we don't know what's going to be in the future? The world was getting so darn easy. And now it's so present, right? So the whole idea is we aren't going anywhere because we're right here. And the more that you can learn how to be right here, and the less you worry about tying up your story so it sounds like a nice book, right, that we can publish it in one of these magazines, or we can put it on social media, and we can hold you up and we say, oh, wow, look at this beautiful transformation story. Like, again, that's also drove me crazy, right? I lost 100 pounds in my life. And I remember putting up my Facebook pictures, and you can go see them, and they're wonderful, right, of, of me when I was like at my heaviest, 200 and what was it, 60 some pounds, and might be at my lightest, 168 pounds, I think was my lowest one. I was feeling bad on that, like my I had stomach problems, so really I was like one, I was walking around like 172, right? But, um, but, but, but I put those pictures next to each other, and it showed off to the world something that was so deeply ingenuine. And but, I mean, it felt great at the time, and like you should celebrate it, but like, I still had real like issues with like how I stress eat and how I looked at my body and all the kind of stuff. It, it, it doesn't it doesn't do that that job justice. And so I think the 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 takeaway is that ultimately if you believe in God and if you if you have faith in God and if you have faith in the Torah 
And if you have faith in the fact that, that, that there is a purpose for your life and your life is meaningful and important, you should go on a path towards finding yourself. You should go on a path where you try to live the most authentic life possible. And again, I appreciate Brene Brown is so fantastic. I, I love her. She's great, right? And that's the rage now. Be vulnerable and vulnerability and all that kind of stuff. It's great. But that's not her idea. Not that she says it's her idea. But it's resonating in the world a little bit. And that's one of the beautiful things about being Jewish is that I was talking to a, a, a gentleman that lives here. And, and he was talking about history. And I said, you know what I love about history? I love that in history, you have ups and downs, but ultimately, like, the Jews go through it. And we've dealt with everybody, pretty much. And we, and if you want to study Jewish history, really, you'll get a beautiful view of everything else. And the same thing's true with Jewish ideals, and if you pay attention to what societies are saying. Because there are times when societies say things that are completely out of line with what Judaism says. Now, interestingly enough, oftentimes, the things that we want to jump and scream about, there's a kernel of truth underneath it, Right? Otherwise, it wouldn't ever stand. So there's an idea that even if ideas seem to be very different from what the Torah is saying, maybe you listen closer and you think, well, maybe, maybe there is something there that, that resonates with, with, with the Torah, right? And again, you think to yourself, well, why do, why do all my beliefs have to be in the Torah? Didn't you just give a whole class about being an individual? The answer is like, yeah, absolutely, right? But the, but the beautiful idea is when we think about our conditioning and we think about who we are and we think about all these kinds of things, we can appreciate that in most cases, again, this is like literally what I, like this is what I like go crazy about, like in, go crazy in a good way. Like I will eat, breathe, sleep this, I do this till the day I die, is, is, that, is that people live in the boxes of their own mind. And they don't see around the corners. And so what I love about myself, and well, I'll say it, what I love about myself and what I love to do and what I'm passionate about is, is seeing around the corners, helping other people see around the corners. I'm passionate about finding people who can help me see around my own corners, my own mind, right? So there's this beautiful concept that we have to learn if we can accept that we're living in a box of our own experiences and our own biology and our own circumstance and all that kind of stuff. So it's safe to say that we are not the easiest decisors of right and wrong of the best way to live. And the idea is the only volume that would be able to do that is something that's completely outside of that, which would be written by God, so to speak, who's completely outside of it. So the Torah is the, the tuning fork, so to speak, was a great analogy that I heard. And then we have to look at ourselves and figure out, okay, so like, where am I? And when I hear something, how do I resonate? Maybe I don't resonate. It doesn't necessarily make it wrong. It, in fact, it shouldn't make it wrong. It makes me wrong, but that's also okay. Because like, I don't, might, might not have to connect to that right now, or I might not be on the process. I might never understand that, right? And you think, I have to understand everything before I like buy into it. Yeah, you're never getting married, never starting a business, never having children, because you don't understand that. You're, you're not going to get it. But sometimes you have to see enough things there to say, this has some validity. I'm going to go with it and see how it goes, right? And be on the journey. So the, the, the practical way to close this is that a person has to be committed to growing themselves, to being their own person, which the more, in my mind, religious, at least Jewishly, that you are, the more you cleave to God, the more you cleave to the Torah, the more you cleave to you connecting on a deep spiritual level with yourself. Again, does that mean you grow a nice beard? Maybe, if you're a dude right? Maybe that's what it means. I don't know. That's not for me, but, but that, maybe that, that works for you. Or, you know, you wear, wear a nice yarmulke, you put on the tzitzis, you, you know, you, you, you keep Shabbos. All these things are absolutely beautiful and super important. But also as you cleave to God, realize that God gives you mitzvahs 
but you have to give him you. And if you can't give him you because you don't know who you are or you're out of touch with yourself or you are not in line with yourself, so then it's not equal and you're never going to be close because it's like you have the most beautiful bride in the world, right? The most beautiful man, husband in the world, right? However you want to butter your bread or the best friend and the most perfect business partner. But if you're not showing up as yourself, there, there's no, there's no shidduch there. There's no, there's no connection there. And, and, and you're certainly removed from the picture. So the, the, the goal, the blessing that we should all try to imbibe in our lives is to be, is to be confident enough in ourselves, confident enough in God to be always on a process, always on a growth trajectory, to always be able to be as, as genuine to ourselves as we can in the moment, and, and to accept that the world will be fine if we are not a cookie-cutter version of anybody else. Because ultimately, like, there's always, there's so many people that are like everybody else, right? There's only one of you. So just enjoy that. Thank you. There you have it, folks, another inspiring episode. If you enjoyed this, I ask you to please share this with your friends and to like us over on Rabbi Rupp through Facebook or on YouTube. And the more that we're able to get these important messages out, the more that we can really make an impact in the world. So I encourage you, please, to stay tuned. Uh, we have a ton of amazing speakers coming up and also to tell your friends about it. Thank you very much.